part two with Juanita Chase. This episode is airing on September 6, 2022 for the first time. So happy fall, y'all. How's it going? I hope you can grab a pumpkin spiced latte and join me today for this redemptive third birth story. Now, if you haven't listened to part one, I think it's pretty imperative to start there. So this two-part series is on trauma-informed birthing. So the first part is about the history of Juanita's story. It is trigger warning. It involves sexual assault, survival, and then two births that looked very different, but where her trauma hadn't been healed. And then in this story today, part two, we talk about key things that she did, tangible things that you can do if you also are a survivor of sexual assault or big T or micro T traumas so that you can create a trauma-informed birth team and have a beautiful and redemptive birth. I encourage you to share this episode with someone that you know who is a survivor of sexual assault who may be pregnant or looking to become pregnant. Thanks. Let's get to it. What does a contraction feel like? How do I know if I'm in labor? And what does the day of labor look like? Wait, is this normal? Hey, I'm Heidi. My best friends call me Hydes. I'm a certified birth doula, host of this podcast, and author of Birth Story, an interactive pregnancy guidebook. I have supported hundreds of women through their labor and deliveries, and I believe every one of them and you deserves a microphone and a stage. So here we are. Listen each week to get answers to these tough questions. Birth Story, where we talk about pregnancy, labor, deliveries, where we tell our stories and share our feelings. And of course, chat about our favorite baby products and motherhood. And because I'm passionate about birth outcomes, you will hear from some of the top experts in labor and delivery. Whether you are pregnant, trying desperately to get pregnant, or you just love a good birth story, I hope you will stick around and be part of this birth story family. Okay, just a little something before we get started today, and that is, what happens if you don't take Birth Story Academy? So like, let's say you're pregnant, that's why you're listening to the Birth Story podcast, and you're preparing for a hospital birth that's upcoming. And of course, this podcast gives you tons of free information, right? But like, do you really understand the stages of labor? How to know when you're in labor? What if you have to have an induction? What about a cesarean section? What about all of the decisions that you have to make once you get to the hospital? So you get there and then they put you in triage. Birth Story Academy walks you through all the things that happen, like that rapid fire with like monitoring and blood work and questions and IV ports and do you want an epidural? I don't know. Do you? In Birth Story Academy, we literally break down all of those decisions pros, cons, risks, benefits, intuition. And like we get into it. We make birth plans. We do birth visions. We listen to birth affirmations and parenting affirmations. 
And like at the end of it, like you know exactly what's going to happen when you go into labor and when you get to the hospital. What's going to happen after you give birth? Newborn care preferences. How to take care of your baby. So I guess what I'm getting at is if you're not in Birth Story Academy, what's your plan? Right? Like I want to be your teacher. I want you to come join me in Birth Story Academy and let me walk you through all of the decisions that you have to make if you're having a hospital birth and how to have body autonomy and how to have informed consent and informed refusal. Like I'm going to teach you and your partner, if you have one, everything that you need to know about birthing in a hospital so that you can walk in that door with some swagger, with some confidence, like wash that anxiety away because you learned everything you needed to learn in Birth Story Academy and you are ready to crush that birth, right? Okay, let's do it. And let's get to this episode. So one of my missions in life is I just really want to share with people and inspire people that even post-trauma, traumatic births, that you can still have healing and you can still have the birth that you desire and dream of, that it is possible because I am living proof of that. And in that moment when you were birthing Roman and you well, really, I guess after, and you saw that photograph of yourself. Yeah. I mean, that's really what led you on this journey of like yoni steaming and visualizations and tapping and doing your yoga and learning about the anatomy of birth. Is that because you were planning to have another child like soon after? Uh, so the... The visualization and the birth anatomy did not start until I was going to be expecting again. But okay. the time from the time I started processing Roman's birth, that's when I discovered uh, the body keeps the score and somatic and mind-body connection and that we hold traumas and memories on a cellular level. So I kind of started going down that route of body work, acupuncture, okay. massage, movement, so it wasn't necessarily with the intention to prepare for another birth. It was to heal Juanita. It was to heal Juanita because Juanita wanted healing before she got pregnant again. Got it. Did you want to have a bigger family? Yeah, it's been a lot of acceptance because we really wanted like five or six kids. But and I think in order to have five or six kids, we needed to start a little earlier. But I would not have been able to have five or six kids in the mindset I was previously at. So having some acceptance around where I am and how many kids we're going to have. But yeah, we definitely wanted to have more kids, more than one. And you would need a new vehicle also, like more yes. of like a bus type vehicle when you right. have like five or six kids. Well, Juanita, I know that you have a 21 month old. So yes. there, there was another baby that mm -hmm. came and so will you just share with us a little bit about your journey to your daughter? And then I would love to hear this birth story as well on how everything changed for you. Yeah, absolutely. I was deep in my healing work and my beloved grandmother uh, passed away. And it's so funny because on my birthday, and July 16th is my birthday. It was a full moon. And I had this beautiful women full moon circle at the beach. And I just prayed to spirit and said, please take my fear away of childbirth. I want more kids. Please take this fear away. Let it be easy next time. 
And I went to my grandmother's funeral, which was 12 days later, and I got pregnant the day after her funeral. And I was like, whew, spirit, you were quick. I, I wasn't that ready. I was just asking for wow. like future, future. Because we did want more kids, um, but we were going to wait until like another year before we entertained the idea. But this little soul had other plans. And my husband and I were both shocked because it was, uh, it only took one time. Okay. <laughs> And it had taken a few months to get pregnant with my son. So um, it, I just was like, okay, this baby was ready. But I was terrified. I was terrified of birth again. I was even like, oh, maybe we can do a surrogate so I don't actually have to give birth. And I even, I, I always hate to admit this out loud, but it is true. I considered having an abortion because I was just so scared to activate what had happened with my son again within me. And then I was, which is really activating your past unresolved yes, traumas. Exactly. And just scared that I would uh, freeze and dissociate again, because again, like we talked about, we don't have control in our birth. So would I be able to stop a panic attack or freezing again? And then I was invited to speak at a birth trauma conference in Asheville, North Carolina. And while I was sharing my story and about being pregnant, it just hit me. And I was like, what if this is part of the healing? What if this pregnancy and this birth is part of it? I'm supposed to go through this again. Still scared, though. Still didn't know if I wanted to have a home birth again. So two things happened. I went to a hospital and I toured the hospital and I sat and I met with the midwife there and told her we had had a home birth with our previous child. And she said, oh, that's funny. Two of the midwives are on maternity leave right now. They just had home births. And so that was my first ding of like, huh the hospital midwives are having their babies at home. That's interesting. Isn't it though? <laughs> right. And then about a week later, I got a sign quite literally. I was walking to therapy and outside of this meditation room or like a studio was a sign that said, what would you do if you weren't afraid? And I just started crying because I knew I would have my baby at home. If I was not afraid, I would have my baby at home. Yeah. So I decided those two things were like telling me to do what I wanted to do. And so if you're familiar with Britta Bushnell, I had found a quote by her and it said, birth does not ask us to be fearless. It asks us to be brave. And I put that on the Beautiful. wall. Oh my gosh. It got me through so much. I put that on the wall in my, what was going to be my birthing space. And every time I felt fear, that's where I went to. Wow. So I, I created a like a birth playlist that was all meditative, protective songs that I was listening to through my entire pregnancy. And I just became my like mantra became uh, protect your peace, protect my peace, like just to kind of be in that peaceful space. And that's when I began looking into visualization. This is something I really, really like to share with people is I had read about um Olympic athletes, right? They visualize winning the race. They visualize that gold medal. Birth is an Olympian event. It is a very athletic thing that we have to do. And so to begin to visualize the birth that I wanted and to only consume birth videos in the way I wanted to birth, positive birth stories. I actually made these buttons that I sold for a while that said positive birth vibes only. So I could like stop people from telling me their like terrible stories as I was pregnant. 
And I just began like fortifying this space of positive birth stories, positive birth narratives, and also creating my words for my birth were calm, connected, and content. I wanted to like, regardless if I had to go through the hospital again, regardless of anything that happened, I wanted to be the anchor amidst the chaos that no matter what was happening around me, that I could remain calm and tapped in. And so that's, I worked through that, through the whole pregnancy. And then the most important thing is that I decided to build a trauma-informed birth team. So I wanted to make sure my doulas had experience with sexual assault survivors, anybody that was going to be in the birth space. I created a document that um, I would love to share with you if you ever want to pass it on, but I- please a Word document that I made that I put on my wall and share with my whole birth team of like what to do if you see me freezing, what to do if you see me panicking and just all the different like somatic things or coaching things that people could tell me, like name the five blue things in the room to feel a texture of clothing, you know, chew on a piece of ice, just all different types of physical things to get me back into the present moment. One major thing is as I was empowering myself, I wasn't too sure about my midwife. My husband was like team this midwife. She helped with our son, but there was just something lacking. She hadn't done anything malicious, but there was just like her care was not what I needed in this birth. This word nurturing just kept coming up. I just needed to be held. And she was more of a distant rock. And I really wanted to like sit in somebody's lap and have them stroke me. Kind of like what I said about the mom on the toilet. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm like, I'm going to hold you right now. Well, you surrender to give birth. Yes. And so I went to my last prenatal by myself because I couldn't explain to anybody why I didn't want to be with this midwife anymore. I, I, I just couldn't. And there was so much self-doubt because I had no like things like she did this one thing wrong. But I went to this prenatal by myself and I was like, I'm still having this feeling. So without telling anyone, I started interviewing other midwives and I did not make my decision until 36 weeks. And I changed midwives to 36 weeks on March 13th. And that was a Friday. Monday, March 16th, Los Angeles went into quarantine. So I met with my midwife in person the day that I decided to go with her. And then everything moved online. So talk about really tapping into my tools that I had worked on and cultivated. She came to one prenatal and did a beautiful birth ceremony, which is one of the reasons I wanted to go with her. She was very much my vibe of like ceremony and tapping in the baby's spirit and crystal bowls. I wanted a very hippy dippy home birth, Mm -hmm. but everything, I had a Doppler, I had a measuring tape. I had the pee sticks. I, I had everything at home. So my prenatals were her watching me check myself. And just talking on Zoom. Wow. Yeah. It was a little different here in my area for quarantine. I think everyone just kept coming to your house, even though we were scared and not knowing what was going on. But it's interesting that California moved so quickly to lockdown. It, Yeah. And the fear that still permeates here, but that definitely permeated then too, because I only got with this midwife at 36 weeks and her not knowing my history. We butted heads so much those last four weeks. Um, Cause I was very much like in my power. Now I've made this decision. And there was a moment where she was, they weren't sure if like COVID could be transferred to a baby through water. So she was almost thinking about not letting me have a water birth or like 
she asked me, when the baby comes, can you get up out of the water? And I said, no, <laughs> I will not. I will not be doing that. <laughs> also, my baby can't get COVID if I don't have COVID. So like that's, it's not magically appearing in the water. Uh, <laughs> oh, so. all the things that we didn't know, you know, the last oh, two she- years have been such a journey of learning with COVID and pregnancy. Yeah. And by that, I told you my, my mantra was like, protect my peace, but it, mm-hmm. I became in a very, uh, what's the word? Uh, like a very pushy mode of like, oh, if people are not for me, then they're against me. Cause then she had another question of when she arrived, could my doula leave? So it'd be less people in the house. And so I got, yeah, I got to the point. Personally of offended. Like, <laughs> so offended. I was offended because I had so meticulously handpicked this team. And so I, called my doula and told her. And then I was like, I'm about to free birth this baby. Like, forget all these midwives. Like, I'm just going to like birth this baby. And I will have to say is like, she wanted me to t- keep a food journal at the end. Of- and I was like, I'm 36 weeks. I'm not keeping a food journal. Like I'm, I am a good eater. We are good at this point. <laughs> but I will say as, as much headbutting as me and this midwife have, and I have to give us both grace, right? Because we had four weeks together. She showed up at the birth. Like that, how she showed up, she danced with me. She held me. She growled with me. She was like in it with me. And she was exactly what I wanted. That nurturing mama auntie figure at my birth was exactly what I wanted. And and her postnatal care was perfection. I didn't even realize I didn't have postpartum care until I had her postpartum care. Yeah. So the, and you know, trying to navigate a pandemic and the last four weeks of pregnancy, it can, you know, yeah. it's a breeding ground for a little friction. It is. <laughs> but I, I do want to go back to, I love that you said I put together a trauma informed team mm-hmm. because there are doulas all over that have gone the extra mile to take the trainings Mm-hmm. to specifically support trauma survivors of mm-hmm. all different types. And so those trainings look very different. Some are specifically around sexual assault. Some are around other things. And also with your midwifery and your obstetrical care. So those are questions to ask and to create an environment and a space around you that cradles you, right? Mm-hmm. And that those people are not afraid to, to if you if you start to walk into the dark, they're not afraid to pull you right out of it, right? And keep exactly. you safe. So how did the birth go? You were dancing uh, and groaning and swaying, but I, how did you know you were in labor? I, I woke up that morning. I was 41 weeks in one day, which is really funny because that's the exact same time that my, I went into labor with my son, 41 and one. Wow. So I knew it was like happening soon, right? Like you're like, all right, there's no turning back now. I woke up and there was blood in my underwear and I was like, today's the day. And then uh, around nap time, when I went to nurse my son for nap time, you know, that uh, stimulation, that nipple stimulation, like yeah. really ramp, ramps <laughs> things up. And I was like, whoa, I can't, we, I cannot nurse you right now. <laughs> like it's happening, but it was like, very slow and manageable for most of the day. I was like sending last minute emails. I even like a few days later was like, I sent emails at 430. That's crazy. Um, pictures of like my son took pictures of me. And then I had this beautiful Yoni steam meditation session while my son and husband went to walk the dog. And 
Uh, I didn't call anybody to come until around 7.30 or 8. And then my daughter was born at 11.15. In the morning So, or the evening? oh, evening. So around, Oh, wow. so I started, I started feeling, you know, the little, the little tinges of crampiness or you're like, did I eat dairy? What's that feeling? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, so around 7.30, 8.00 p.m., I, I kind of gave everybody a heads up and then people started arriving around 8.30, 9 o'clock and then she was born at 11.15. You were very in tune with your body and when you needed um, support. Was she born in the water? She was. And I, I will say I had my goals for the birth. My goal was I wanted to move. I had danced through the whole pregnancy. I, if anybody goes to my Instagram, there's lots of me videos of me pregnant and pole dancing and pole dancing in my living room. And so I danced. So I wanted to move because I felt so stagnant in my son's birth. I was just in the tub the whole time. So I wanted to move. I wanted to remain present. I did not want to dissociate. I wanted to be there and through the transition, through everything. I wanted to be present, be vocal. And I wanted to catch my baby. Those were my top four things I wanted to do. And I was able to do all of them. And it was, it was really great. What my doula, her name's Daisy, and she was fantastic. She gave me two tips I'll take with me forever. One, when I wanted to move in a different position, but I was scared. I was scared. She was like, are you scared that it's going to become more intense or it's just going to be different? And it was such a good question to ask me. And she was like, let's just try. And then another one, when I the baby was coming down, I was leaning out of the tub and she said, send all of your energy downwards. Too many people will uh, tense their hands, their shoulders, their whole upper body, but you need to send all of that energy down. And I was able to relax the entire upper body. And she knew because I had been doing open with her about all the work that I've been doing. And I sent all of that energy down and I just, I really love my birth story because I'm so proud of myself, but I was so quiet and I was, I knew how the baby goes in and comes back out and in. So I was just so quiet while all of that was happening. And then she crowned and I said, okay, the baby's head is out. And the midwife's assistant was across from me and she was like, oh, she just means like she's the, you know, she can feel the top of the head or it's crowning. And I was like, no, I was like, the baby's head is out. Like I'm, I'm aware. <laughs> like I feel her lips and Yeah. her nose. <laughs> <laughs> you can't mistake yeah. a head coming out of your vagina or something No, else. no. It's, yeah. Especially when it's been going in and out, in and out. And you're like, what is this suction cup that is happening in my vagina right now? I know I have so many moms that at the contraction will end and then they go, no, 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 because they can feel the head going back up inside Yes. of them. And they're like, no, no, no. Oh, so then what on the next contraction did the rest of her body emerge? She did. And she had, uh, I caught her. I'm so excited. That's all I wanted to do. I said, you know, and my midwife said, reach down and grab your baby. And I did. And she had her umbilical cord wrapped around twice. Wow. And so um, the midwife helped. I like, I, I got her. And then I was like, okay, you can help with the umbilical cord. And so she took the umbilical cord. And I placed her on my chest and I had a baby and Wow. it was just the pictures that my doula friend, I had a doula friend come that was just on my, on my son's support. She was just hanging out with my son and taking pictures. Yeah. Just the pictures of me. I was like that, that is what I wanted to like go inside. And I didn't, I didn't even have a ring of fire or like this like weird transition because I think I was so 
like you said, I was so in tune. I was really working with my body and, and what I had said in earlier conversations with you. I just really kept saying, I trust my body and I trust my baby. I had watched videos of fetal, uh, ejac- not ejaculation, ejection. <laughs> <laughs> I'm keeping that in. That was awesome. <laughs> but like I knew, I knew that babies know how to get out of your body, right? In all like positive circumstances, a baby can come out of you. And I, one of the words that was off limits because I had been coached to push so hard with my son, I had 15 stitches. It was a lot. The word push was off limits. I wanted my body to unfold naturally. And if anybody had to coach me, they could only say, bear down. You can bear down now. And so I I had some off limit language and no one had to do that, you know, because I was like, if my body has to poop, it knows how to poop. Like, (laughs) yeah. <laughs> and you can breathe that out. You can yeah. go with that sensation too. And wow. we talked about not having control during birth, but I do want to mention some some of the things that gave me con- a sense of control. Yeah. And that was preparing my birth space. So, and 360 on every single wall that I could possibly see during the birth, I had different pictures and and sayings there was one point where I asked my doula I couldn't look and I was like just read me the thing on the right wall read me that thing what's that thing say right there and I had created that space several months in advance so I sat in there and I knew where everything was and what it was saying and then uh, my midwife had given me a TENS machine which I had only heard like people use a lot more in Europe and it doesn't take away the sensation that was another thing I didn't want to call anything contractions I just wanted to call sensations it doesn't take away the sensations, but I had something to control so that when a wave came, I could press this button and also have another sensation. And then when that wave left, I could turn it off. So it was something that I was in control of, right? I was in control of my body, but I was in control of the way I could support my body and my mind. Yes. A TENS unit is one of the most powerful tools that I have in my doula bag. So wow. it is lovely in the, and I do give it to the birthing person and I say, just turn it up when you mm-hmm. feel the sensation coming on and then turn it down when you feel it coming up. And eventually when labor becomes so strong, they'll say, oh, I forgot to, you know? Yeah. And so then I'll, we have a, a number one, is it starting and a number two, is it's ending? <laughs> um, it, someone else can help you with that too. If that becomes too much to mm-hmm. think about the further on it, it gets. And before the TENS machine, just keeping track, I had an app to keep track of the contractions. And that was like another thing for me that I had control over. Like it was something that I could do. So those were small things that made me feel like I had a part of controlling the environment and what was happening. And that was really helpful for me. And the people that you invited into your birth space yeah, yeah. started with that. Was Roman there? You said in the, Roman, in the beginning he was taking pictures, but was he there for the birth? He, that little boy stayed up the whole time. He didn't nap. He was my biggest cheerleader. I have a video of him at the end saying, you did it, mommy. You did oh, it. That's so beautiful. And he, as soon as she was born, uh, he crashed. He totally, he was like, you did it, mommy. My sister's here. And then Josh took him to the room and he passed out for the rest of the night. <laughs> <laughs> said, it's almost midnight. I am ready for that. Yeah. How amazing though, that I he pushed through to stay awake with you. I think that's so beautiful. 
and he was asking questions. And again, it was great that my friend that was with him, she is a doula as well. So he had certain questions that she could answer. And sometimes like if he was getting any kind of like overwhelmed, she'd give him the camera to take a picture to give him something to do. And I just, I always wanted that to be able to have children at a birth and normalize what birth is and what it looks like. Yep. And healing and redemptive from your first experience with your daughter. Mm -hmm. Very Mm -hmm. full circle moment right there. And that is, that's generational healing right there too, that you created. So those types of traumatic births won't also happen to your children and their children because we've, you know, ended a cycle of that with generations. Full goosebumps because speaking at that trauma conference, I learned how so many women will hold on to their birth stories, 15, 20 years. They never talk about their birth stories and how much healing happens when someone just hears you. And my mother drove six hours to Asheville to hear me speak. That was the first time she ever told me my birth story. And she labored with me in silence in a hospital because other people were sleeping and she didn't want to bother them. And so when she told me that story, that's when I decided I'm going to be very vocal in this birth and I'm going to heal that part of my lineage. Wow. I live with my mother and there are four live births and she has shared with me all of the stories And of course I do this for a living, but there is something healing for me too, as her daughter to hear what her womb space went through prior Mm. to me being in there and how like redempting and healing. I was her third live birth and how healing that was for her. I think it's important that we share. And of course I have a podcast where I tell birth stories. So I think, (laughs) you know, I think it's of the utmost importance to share. Um, Juanita, This has been such a beautiful day to spend with you and to hear about your whole story. And which I know it's not your whole story, but like (laughs) a big part part (laughs) of your story. And so will you just leave the audience again on, you know, you had this evolution of yourself and this healing of yourself. And then you have created things for other people to support them. So could you just leave us a little bit with like what you're currently doing with speaking your company, how to get a hold of you if people want to reach out or learn more as they're preparing for their potentially trauma informed birth? Absolutely. It's like one of my favorite things to be able to pass on healing because this will make me cry where I am now. I never thought was possible to get to. I never thought that I would be able to be in such a healed place. And I do believe that full healing is possible. I do. It's a lot of hard work and it's a lot of dark places, but I 100% am walking living proof that we can get to the other side. Yeah. (laughs) I created a private Facebook page for survivors that are also mothers um, because I was having needing a place to connect with other mama survivors. So it's a very small group, um, but that is available if somebody is needing uh, to just question, like, I'm being triggered during breastfeeding. What's that about? I have that. I also am a mommy mentor. So I've had four now. I just couple women a year that are survivors that will be giving birth. Sometimes my midwife will send them to me and I just am there for them through the whole pregnancy to listen, pass on resources, And then I have this company, Pause Anywhere, that I actually thought of a week 
postpartum with my daughter. It was a pandemic. I was in postpartum. George Floyd just happened. I'm in an interracial marriage. It just felt like everything was crashing down. And I said, how can I share my healing tools with the world? And so I created these little mini mindfulness cards. They're very small and discreet and guided journals and self-tending bundles. And that is at the website, pause anywhere, Instagram, pause anywhere, Facebook, pause anywhere to just connect with me directly is the snappy hippie on Instagram or or Gmail. I try to keep things, you know, across the board the same. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm a speaker for rain as well. I mean, that's not as accessible to everybody because sometimes I'll just go to a school or to a conference or something, but I just, it's just my mission in life to, to just help people to get to the other side, you know, whether that's just inspiring my story. I documented everything I did leading up to my daughter's birth and her birth itself. Well, you have become a healer. (laughs) You are healing. We'll always be healing. We'll never be healed. I will always be healing. And now you have the gift of being a healer um, and healing even more today, just through your words and your story on this podcast. So Juanita, thank you so much for being here. And I will link to everything that Juanita just mentioned on how to get a hold of her in the show notes. So everybody push pause and make sure you click on some of those links in the show notes. And I really appreciate your time today, Juanita. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Thank you for being part of the Birth Story family and listening to this episode. On Tuesdays every week are doula diaries, little snippets and tidbits from my week along with some teaching and education. And then on Thursdays, we meet here for our birth stories and our expert speakers. So thank you for being here and listening to the podcast twice a week. And if you are left wanting more, like Heidi, I've listened to all the episodes, I've read your entire book, then I hope you will meet me in Birth Story Academy and let me be your online childbirth educator to prepare you for your hospital birth, no matter what that looks like. Thank you for listening to Birth Story. My goal is you will walk away from each episode with a clear picture of how labor and delivery might go and that you will feel empowered by the end of your pregnancy to speak up, plan and prepare for the birth you want, no matter what that looks like.